Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me, if you would, please, and stretch. There you go, a little fitness exercise this morning. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Wow, you guys must have slept well last night. Sound good this morning. Well, kicking off a new series, and I want to kind of prepare you because uh, uh, it's, it's uh, kind of one of those sermon series that some people can misunderstand as simply a message on prosperity. It's not, though it's part of it. When we talk about believing for more in 24, it's really trying to get us to look ahead at possibilities of a new year uh, versus looking back at all the things that happened this year. Uh, maybe it's been a great year for you. Maybe it's been awesome. Uh, but I know that uh, we are quicker to remember our mistakes. We're quicker to remember problems, issues that we've had because our human nature is, is negative. It's, it's just a fallen nature. So as I began preparing this message, it, it starts out like this big, huge idea that I have to cut down into bite-sized pieces. And so I'm going to, to attempt to do that today because a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, isn't it enough just to be a Christian? Isn't it enough just to go to heaven? Well, that's wonderful, but I didn't write the Bible, and Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, more and so oftentimes what happens is religious people will condemn you, criticize you for even dreaming of more possibilities and opportunities and blessings. And even God told us, he said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life, choose blessing. And many people don't choose it. Uh, they're waiting to be chosen. And the Bible says he's chosen us. And so he made a choice to adopt us. Now, Susan and I have between us nine children. It takes a moment of hesitation to let that absorb. And uh, two of the youngest children are adopted. And so uh, it's been a very interesting experience for me to enjoy what it's like knowing that neither of the boys are biological but they are adopted and when we got married uh, it really kind of excited me because even when I was younger I always thought wouldn't it be great to give an opportunity uh, to a child that has very little opportunity and so it, it's taught me a lot uh, about life and 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 what that means and the boys when I say that have all the same rights and privileges as all the biological children, the same love, the same care, the same compassion. 
And so with everything going on in Israel and Jewish people being God's chosen people, but God in the New Testament tells us through Christ we are adopted, which means in that adoption process we share all the same hope, all the same love, all the same mercy, all the same blessing as, as the Jewish people when we are adopted in. And that is a quite an adjustment, and I, I'm going to share something that I hope is not inappropriate, but Susan was telling me when she first adopted the boys that the oldest boy would literally take food and hide it in his bedroom because he didn't have food, and so he would take it and hide it so that he would have it. You see, the mentality is we learn to survive. We, we have an innate ability somehow in us to, to survive, and we figure out ways, but God says you, you don't have to survive. I'm the God of more than enough. I'm El Shaddai. And, and we have to embrace that mentality. We have to really meditate on that mentality. Otherwise, we will begin to default back to our fallen nature, which is I, I don't have enough, and I'm never going to have enough, so I've got to store up. I've got to hide. I've got, instead of saying, God, I'm, I know that if, if I trust you with what I have, and I put you first with what I have, then there will always be more. But that's challenging because the minute you do that as a Christian and you start talking about the blessings of God and the more that God has, uh, religious people especially will always attack you. Well, you're greedy and you're, you're not appreciative and you're not thankful. The reality is when you believe God for more, you're actually honoring God. You're actually respecting God, and you're actually trusting God, and you're actually believing that God has more than enough. And, and it, it's, I, I would never want to deprive my children of more. I would never want to do that. And I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm not God, and God is this perfect God, and he never wants to deprive us. And many people say, well, then why don't I have more? I'm hoping this series will help shed some light on the possibility of what might be holding us back. One of the things that holds us back is we have a less mentality. We have a mentality of, uh, well, you know, I'm okay, we're getting by. It's less than instead of more than. And again, I, I, I began this with the idea that what in my mind I always go, okay, Mark, what do you want more of? And the first thing I, I came up with was, I want more of God. Well, then, then the next question I have to ask is, well, what does that take to have more of God? And, and I said, well, that takes just simply probably time. I, I'm not, I, it doesn't take me being perfect or impressing. just takes time. If you want to get to know someone, it's not always about the conversations you have, but it's about the time you spend with that person. And you really get to know them, not by what they say, but by how they behave and who they are. So when I spend time with God, and I just set aside time, it doesn't mean I, I pray eloquent prayers. It doesn't mean that, that I have all the right things to say or all the perfect requests that I can make uh, to God. But, but just really just meditating and spending time allowing God to bring impression to my soul uh, whether it's just looking at his word, meditating on a scripture, a verse, but just to allow my soul to consume God. 
The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's almost like your soul, in a way, you're, you're taking in this sustenance that's not food, it's not tangible, it's an intangible experience with God. And some people say, well, you know, I pray an hour. Maybe you ought to shut up for an hour. Probably never heard that before. No, every now and then, sometimes it's like, why don't we let God have some time? You know, that was when I was going through the worst time of my life. I would get up, and I'm, I'm talking to God like I'm, you know, trying to. And finally, one day, God said, would you be quiet and let me do the talking? And he said, would he say that out loud? No, but in my heart, I went, yeah, I get it. It's like everything I was saying, he already knew. But I didn't know what he was saying because I was doing all the talking. And sometimes it's, it's not how long you pray. You know, the, we had the scripture and uh, when I was taught to pray, you say, well, how were you taught? You know, I just learned how to kind of enter into the presence of God, which I'll probably get to that next year. But, but just, uh, I wasn't, the, 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 the scripture, they said, could you not tarry an hour? Well, you know, Jesus is asking the disciples, you're falling asleep, I need you right now, and could you not just, like, tarry? He didn't say, could you pray? He said, could you not just wait with me for an hour? Could you not just... Give me some time. You know, and most people, most of us, I think, probably feel inadequate when it comes to prayer. I don't know what to say. How can anybody possibly pray an hour? And, you know, we go down that list of things. I, I can't pray. Well, it's not about what you say. It's about just saying, I'm going to set aside time. Literally, I would challenge us. If I want more of God, then I need to give God a little more of Mark. And there's nothing about that that is extremely difficult except if you're ADHD. And, and, and you know, you got to figure out, get, get one of those little spinners, I guess. I don't know. But figure out a way to just be still. Matter of fact, one translation says, cease striving and know that I'm God. Not just be still and know that I'm God, but cease striving. I love that translation because I think our humanity is constantly striving to figure God out and, and to try to figure out what he wants and what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live life and what's right and what's wrong. And we're, we're, our minds are going crazy instead of just stopping and realizing no matter what kind of person you are, what kind of challenges you possess, what personality issues you perceive that you have, God loves you. God made you. And maybe we're not our best version today. But if I said, I want more of God, then just simply give him some time. When I first went into ministry, I was a part of a church that I'd never been a part of before. I was called to be a part of a, a Methodist church. I've shared this with you before, and I didn't know why initially because I didn't know anything. I had to read up and read their bylaws and all this stuff, and i never forget one of the pastor's wives uh, came up with this scripture out of Isaiah, and it's, it's a scripture, but uh, it, it disturbed me because I was on this pathway of really, really pursuing God. I was passionate about growing in him, and I'll never forget, she said, well, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Well, you know, I didn't need anybody to tell me I was bad or that filthy or whatever. And, and a lot of people's perception is that we don't deserve more. I'm not worthy of more. 
And, and this is not about what we deserve. It's not about even about our worthiness. It's about his crucifixion, his death on the cross, his resurrection that brought us into the family, not because we were worthy, not because we deserve to be a part of it, but because his love is so great for us that he's invited us in and said, you don't have to store food under your bed anymore. You, you don't have to store things up. I've got more than enough. That's how can he told Israel in the wilderness. He said, just eat what you have today, and tomorrow I will provide. Don't take it into your tent. Trust me that I'm the God of more than enough, and you don't have to hoard stuff. There'll be more tomorrow where that came from today, so I want want you to start seeing me as a God of more. And so I quickly responded, probably in a very young, ignorant, dumb, fashionable way to this lady, because it bothered me. It's like, my righteousness is not as filthy rags. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, all of a sudden, if, if, you, if you say that, see, the, the, the challenge is that our minds default to our worst things, our, our worst behaviors, our, our worst thoughts, they always default to the negative. And, and so I, I am very cautious to the point where I make Susan mad sometimes because I, I want to stay positive. I, I, I want to believe. It's not going to do me any good to say, well, you know, you're getting older. No, I'm getting better. And you say, well, yeah, but you know. No, I don't know because I refuse to give in. Listen, I'm going to be the guy 100 going to other people's funerals that are in their 60s. Just because I can. And so the point is, is your outlook is determined by your perception of God. What you perceive of God is what you'll receive from God. If you perceive, or not from Him, but if you perceive that God doesn't care, He's a minimalist, then that's where you will live your life. And, and, and there will be plenty of people to support that theological perspective. Because most people don't want more of God, so they don't want you to have more of God. So they'll tell you it's not worth it. And somebody who's telling you you can have more of God is really pie in the sky, which is not accurate at all. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not to the partial, not to halfway, but that you might have it to the full. There are so many scriptures that, that talk about the God who is more than enough. And, and in scripture, like, I saw this a little over 400 times in the New International Version that the word God talks about faith. In the King James, it's less. It's like 346 times he talks about faith. But when he talks about finances, it's 2,300 times. And so I'm, I'm dashing this in gradually, throwing a little bit. I want you to get this. Because the people who accuse you or me or us of wanting more don't understand that I can't give what I don't have. If I don't possess an abundance and overflow of love, I won't have enough for you. I mean, I'm going to have to work on me. The Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If I'm not full of love, I don't have love to give to you. So the reason the whole world's halfway is angry half the time, because they're deficient, love deficient, mercy deficient, grace deficient. You don't have more than enough. You're barely getting by. Matter of fact, you don't even give yourself grace. You judge yourself harshly. And if you judge yourself harshly, you're going to judge everybody else the same way. 
because you're giving out of what you have. And if, you, if you're mad at yourself, you're critical of yourself, then you're always going to be critical of others. If you don't love you, it is impossible for you to love other people. Because you don't even have enough love for yourself. And you, you question God's love for you. Why, could, why would God love somebody like me? I don't know. I don't know why he'd love somebody like me. But I do know this. I've accepted the fact that he is crazy about me. He loves me so much that he said, you know what? I love my son, but in order for you to become a family member, he's got to die and give his life for you. And he did. You see, that's hard to embrace when you start comparing yourself against the Messiah, against the Christ, the anointed one. When we start comparing, so I don't deserve it. You're right. We don't. But let me just tell you something. I'm not sticking anything under my bed again. Because I know that when I get up in the morning, he's going to have whatever I need and then pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I, this mentality did not come to me easily. I grew up in a very lower middle class family, a lower middle class neighborhood. Poor people called us poor. And so when I got born again, it was like, okay, great, I'm going to heaven. You know, that, that was my mentality. I get to go to heaven. And most people, Christians, live their life with the idea of at least I get to go to heaven. But when you get to go to heaven, that doesn't really glorify God so much because it's over. You, get, you see what I'm saying? But when you, when you bring heaven to earth... It glorifies God every day of your life when you face adversity with a smile. You face criticism with a compliment. Now, all of a sudden, people start seeing the more of God that they've, they've not seen. Because typically, when somebody criticizes us, we bite back. But when we have more of God instead of more of self, then God is able to come out and reveal himself through us to other people. You've heard the saying, less is more. It's a famous saying nowadays. Really what it's saying is, don't work too hard. Don't, don't try too much. After all, less is more. Let me, let me explain this. One person said, the phrase less is more suggests that simplicity and minimalism can often be more effective or aesthetically pleasing than complexity. There is some complexity when it comes to wanting more of God. Because you understand all of a sudden the difference in your flesh and his spirit. You understand your flesh. You all of a sudden now understand there are things you want to do that you shouldn't do that you're not doing. When Paul said in Romans 7, why do I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things I want to do? He, he's saying I'm torn because I know who God is, I know what God has, I know what God wants, but my flesh is trying to achieve something else. So in order for me to overcome my flesh, I have to have more of his spirit. Most of the time what we do is we try to apprehend the flesh. In other words, we try to empty ourselves of flesh, which is a form of Eastern meditation of emptying yourself. But in Christianity, the difference in Christianity and Eastern meditation is when we meditate on God, we're trying to fill ourselves, not empty ourselves. So now, if I fill myself with God, that means it flushes out self. 
See, some of y'all are trying to work on yourself instead of work to just let God do a work in you and through you. You're trying, I, I, I'm this way, I get angry, I'm that, I'm this. And, and you try to subdue that, but you cannot subdue by the flesh what the flesh is trying to do. Your flesh will cooperate with your flesh. But when you start saying, God, I don't want to hate anymore. I'm not going to hate. I'm not going to hate. Instead, you start saying, I'm going to be more kind than I've ever been in my life. I'm going to be more patient than I've ever been. Now, all of a sudden, you're filling yourself instead of draining yourself. I should probably read the Bible lest I be accused like Joel of not reading the Bible. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out and never wear out. So the challenge in our lives is dealing, if you will, with a, an incredible sense of unworthiness, an incredible sense of not deserving. We have this incredible thing of at least I'm saved and at least I have food and, it, and at least, and it, you hear this, at least, at least, at, same as as less, as less, as less. And we settle, we settle. Because it just seems too complex to pursue the more that God has for us. And then we begin to make excuses and excuse the fact that we're not willing. And I'm, you guys, I'm preaching to the choir, but some of you watching online, it's just too much work for you to get up and go to church. It's just, it's complicated. And, and it takes so much time. And what did I say we need to get more of God? Time. Time. It's not always what I say. Matter of fact, sometimes you won't hear one thing I say. God's preaching another sermon to you because you don't like what I'm preaching. The reason I'm back here is I'm sitting January 3rd of 2016. I'm sitting in a church in California. And all of a sudden this impression comes to me. I, I, it was like the preacher disappeared. He wasn't that good anyway. And I'm having my own encounter with God in church. It wasn't the message he was preaching, it was me saying, I'm going to give time for God to address Mark Crow. Some of y'all, just being here today, just giving time. If you'll just open your heart and mind and say, God, I'm giving you time. This guy's a maniac, I, but talk to me in spite of him. I am maniacal for God. I, I, I want more of God. A friend of mine started a ministry called Teen Mania. It's just like we, we, we want so much, but willing, not willing to offer a little for the so much. A little time in church, a little time to, to be in the house of God, a little time of worship. But we think this whole thing is designed uh, just, just for our own listening pleasure. And I don't like this, and I don't like that, and this is loud, and this is long, and... We criticize our, our, our way right out of the blessings of God. 
we're, we're critical. We have a critical spirit. Everybody, everybody looks around in our world, and we measure people. We compare, which is the worst thing you can do. Because if you compare yourself with somebody else, well, I'm better off than them, which means this. Your measurement is, is wrong in that you're measuring how much God loves you or how blessed you are by someone else instead of measuring how blessed you are by the Word of God. Is there more? You say, well, I don't want to be greedy. Look, you're not being greedy. You've been adopted. Your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and the Bible says all the silver and gold belong to him. And God is just trying to disperse all this wonderful stuff and dispense all this wonderful stuff to us and joy. I've never heard anybody say, oh, look, I just can't handle any more joy. I'm about to OD right now. I mean, if I, if I get any more joy, I'm just, I just can't handle it. I, I've never heard that. And I've never heard anybody say, you know what? Look, you look at your spouse and say, just please don't love me anymore. My capacity is, is I'm overflowing. I need you to stop right now. You never heard that. We, we have this incredible, insatiable desire and passion to be loved and to have joy and, and a peace that passes all understanding, and yet we deprive ourselves of it because, well, you know, I haven't been that good. I don't really deserve peace. I've been raising for a while. And so we try to figure, and it, it is complicated. And when you look around at other people, typically we compare our faith against other people's fruit or other people's blessings. We, you know, and we, and, and we, we keep comparing horizontally instead of vertically. Am I getting all that God wants me to have? Am I experiencing everything? No, I'm not. And I know that. But I am fighting to experience more of what God has for me. Now, that comes sometimes with addressing other people in a way that you say, look, you're, you're, you're sucking the life out of me. You ever had that happen? If you've had kids, you've had them suck the life out of you. But it's the life you gave to them, and God said, if you'll fill your life up, they'll never be able to suck the life out of you. Keep full. Keep full. Stay full. Do the things you need to do to be full. When your car gets down, I used to tell my kids all the time, if your car registers a quarter of a tank, it's empty. That unless you're at the drag strip and you want to move some weight out. But when you're out driving around, know that a quarter of a tank, you should be pulling up going, I could, I could get caught here and run out of fuel. A lot of people right now running right below a quarter, going down to reserve tank, going, I just got enough to get where I need to go. And you wake up on Sunday, you don't have enough fuel in the tank to go give God a little time. This is the filling station right here. <sighs> yeah. People say, well, my life's not going well. Well, you know, uh, when's the last time you've been to church? Well, you know, it's been a long time. Well, there you go. It's like a car sitting in the garage with no fuel, and there's a gas station right around the corner. Get a can and go get her done. I don't know how in the world I'm going to land this thing. Because I, I, I knew coming into this, the first sermon of any series is the most challenging, trying to say, okay, i got to get this thing pointed in the right direction. Because I don't want you to not be here next week going, hey, you know, I don't need that. Really? Yeah, you need this. You need this. You may not need me, but you need this. 
You need to put yourself in a place. Anything that you put, anytime you put yourself in a place that says, I'm going to find a place to experience more of God. Go sit there. Get in church. Be a part. Do something. Quit excusing yourself like, well, you know, it's just this, it's just that. What we're doing is we're saying, God, I'm going to go invest time in hearing from you. I'm going to go invest time in helping other people. Thank all five of you for that. So, you know, it's not that big. It is that big a deal. Whatever you sow, you reap. If you want more joy, sow joy into somebody else's life and watch God open the gates of heaven for you. You say, well, I just don't feel like it today. You know what? It's not about how you feel. We live in a world of feelings, and I'm not opposed to feelings, but, but feelings cannot dictate my decisions. I don't always feel like coming to preach. And God gives me a sermon, i got to preach happy, and I'm going, but right now, God, I'm not there. Shut up and speak up. Speak what you want, not what you feel. If somebody's not behaving the way you want, treat them like they are, and they will get there. But if you address who they are, they will never know who they can be. Start addressing who someone can become, not who someone is. That's what Jesus did for us. He looked at us and said, I know who you can be. I, I, mean, I know so much who you can be. I'm going to die and raise, be raised from the dead so that you can be who I made you to be. He didn't come and point out all of our sins. He came and pointed out redemption and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And religious people hate this because religious people love patting themselves on the back and saying, I'm all that in a bag of chips. I'm good. I'm good all the time. I don't do anything wrong. You ever been around people like that? And then they turn around and tell you what everybody else is doing wrong. Guess what? That's called gossip. And gossip is the greatest disease in the local church today. Quit talking about people and start talking to people. Because you know what? You have as many issues as the person you're talking about. Oh, I knew that would strike a nerve. We never want to admit it. The people with the greatest issues are the people who don't think they have issues. <laughs> you ever been around those people? They just they got it all going on. <sighs> when you start believing God for more, here's what happens. It stretches your faith. So why is faith so important? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so oftentimes when we accept our current condition, our position, what we're really saying is, I have taken God to his capacity. He can do no more. It's impossible. Well, the Bible says nothing's impossible with God. What the devil meant for harm, God will turn for good. But we have to let him do that. We have to give him room. We have to give him space. Somewhere in our soul, it says, God, I know that there's more to life than what I'm experiencing. That was one of the conversations I had with my dad when I wasn't even born again. I just had lived my whole life in what I consider to be a valley. And, and, and I was telling my dad my dreams. And, and they were stupid. I mean, they weren't even, but they, at least they were dreams. 
I was dreaming outside my community. I was dreaming outside the way I was raised. I was dreaming outside that. And, I, and he said, Mark, life's not a merry-go-round. I said, Dad, life's what you make it, and I'm going to make it something more than what I'm experiencing right now. I had no clue what that meant. I had no clue how to get there. But I knew this. There was something inside me, a pull from heaven, that said, there's more, Mark. There's more. There's more. Laying on a construction site where I drive a bulldozer with, with, and, and just me and a guy named Roscoe, his dad owned the company, so we were clearing some land and put me on a dozer. Oh, 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 oh. And so I'm looking up, and we're taking a break. Beautiful, sunny day. It was just nice outside. I'm looking up, and I'm seeing airplanes fly across the sky. I'm as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. If you don't know what that is, Google it. And I said, I looked at Roscoe, and I said, someday I'll be on one of those airplanes flying around the world. I had never been on an airplane, but there was something inside me that said, there's more than this bulldozer you're getting ready to climb on. Long story short, I have been from the Great Wall of China to Tabletop Mountain in Cape Town, South Africa, and I've done the world in Australia and been everywhere you can imagine, and, and I look back and I go, all because a lost sinner like me one day Looked up into the sky, and I felt the tug of heaven saying, there's more to life than what you're living, son. And I have made a way for you. And I could give God every reason why that would not work. I wasn't serving him. I wasn't living for him. I wouldn't give him the time of day. But he loved me so much that he deposited a seed of more in my soul. And to this day, with every day that passes, I believe there's more. You can say, well, that's just, that's just why, why aren't you? I am extremely satisfied in my relationship with God. But I want the world to know that my daddy is the God of more than enough. If you're feeling down and out, God has more for you than that. God wants you to come up and in. And he wants you to experience a joy. A peace that passes understanding. He wants you to have that. Think about this story, and I'm not going to read it. It's all written out here. Of, of, of the prodigal son who had everything in the physical. A wealthy father, a ranch that he would inherit. I mean, all this beautiful stuff. But one day he decided that just wasn't what he wanted. And he left, and as we have heard the story numerous times. Most people have heard it. If you haven't, Luke 15, you can read it. The Bible says he took his inheritance and his father gave it to him. You see, what his father is saying is, I love you so much. If that's what you want, I'll give it to you. If that's what you want. You see, we have a heavenly father say, if you want to live this way, you, you can live this way. You have a free will. I'm not going to make you worship me. I'm not going to make you love me. I, I love you so much that I want you to do what you want to do. But I, I have this ranch for you. I have this beautiful place for you. I have all these things for you. But if that's not what you want, here, here's what I have for you. And the Bible says he took it and he squandered it on wild living. And finally, after a season, a period of time, he finds himself hungry and he goes to a farmer and, 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 and he, he said, what can I do? He said, well, you can feed the pigs. And 
he's feeding the pigs and realizing he's eating the pods the pigs are eating. And, and, and all of a sudden, the Bible says he came to his senses. And he said, even my father's workers eat better than this. And all of a sudden, that, that little seed of more began to flourish. And he goes, I, I will go back to my father's house. And one translation, he goes back and says, I'm unworthy. Guess what the father didn't go? You're right. You're going to have to start all over. You've squandered everything. Now you're going to pay. No, no. The father was fully ready for him to come back home and experience the more that he always had for him. Says he put a ring on his finger, a coat on his back, shoes on his feet. The father was ready, not because he deserved it, but because he loved him. Oh, I'm so thankful I don't get what I deserve. I am so thankful that I've been adopted by a father who's not judging my past. See, some of y'all are looking at your past and you get up and you look at it every day and that's exactly where the devil wants you to live is looking back at your mistakes and your failures. That's where, and if he doesn't, the devil can't get you there, somebody else will. Why are you still preaching? Because God called me, you didn't. And if you had called me, I wouldn't have answered. But I knew when he called me, he said, that gift that I put on you, that call I put on you, when you decided to abandon what I had for you, and you went your own way and you squandered it, he said, I've, I've loved you since you left. I love you now, and I'll love you forever. And everything I've ever had for you, I still have for you. I still hold for you. I still reserve for you. It belongs to you. It doesn't belong to somebody else. I'm not giving what I have for you to somebody else. I'm holding it for you. And the only way you will not get it is if you talk yourself out of it and compare your future with your past. You can't do that. That's why we have a God who's not looking backwards. He's looking forward. He said, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Guess we're going to have to start passing out Red Bull <sighs> or Monster. There's always somebody for years come up to me, that's going to kill you. No, no, lack of oxygen is going to kill me. <laughs> it's always funny, somebody that doesn't do what you do is always going to tell you how what you're doing is going to kill you. Well, I could look at you and say, let me just tell you all the ten ways you're going to die. And if I do die as a result, let me tell you, I'll die with wings and a smile on my face, baby. I'm having myself some energy up in here. It's funny how we're always looking at everybody else and telling everybody else how, what they ought to do and not do. And I'm just going to protect my own life. I can't tell you. I can give you some information that might help you, and hopefully some of this has, because some of you are living incarcerated by your own mentality, your own choice. You're looking back at all the mistakes you made, the things you wish you would have done, the things you wish you hadn't done. And, and you could write a book. I mean novels. You could write a series. It's amazing how sin flourishes our creativity. Instead of saying, you know what? I don't have a road map to tomorrow, but I know the, the one who does.
Wouldn't it be cool if God was Siri? Siri, tell me where I'm going. It's funny that we, we trust people more than we trust God. I mean, I was thinking the other day, you know, you got DoorDash and Uber Eats and all that. First off, you got people cooking food that you can't see. People picking it up that you don't know. Coming to the house you don't want them to know. And then you eat it. The other day I was eating his food and I'm going, am I nuts? I wonder, did somebody, did, did the cook just have a bad day? He's mad at his wife and he's just going to spew all over everybody's food? And then the driver, then you don't know. I mean, they got the, it's taped and all that, but they could inject something in there. See, see, where, see how creative we can get? And then there was the day when your parents said, don't get in the car with a stranger. Now we call them and we don't know who they are. They pick us up. They Uber us. They lift us. Don't get in a car with a stranger, but we do. Then we get on airplanes, and every now and then I think, I'm hoping the pilot didn't have a fight with his spouse. Every now and then I look and I go, I'm trusting somebody I don't know at 37,000 feet. Well, the way I look at it nowadays is, well, at least we'll die quick. It's not going to hurt. Just trying to make positive confession out of it. But the prodigal son goes home, and guess what happens? He gets more of what he lost. See, God says, you think I, I didn't take what you had from you. You gave it away. You squandered it. Now I have more for you. And guess who gets mad? His biological brother. I have, I've always been on the farm. I, I've always been here. Don't give him anymore. That's what religious people will say. Don't, you don't get another chance. You blew it. We hear those words loud and clear. You blew it. You didn't blow it. You might have made a mistake like the prodigal son, but God says, I been waiting on you. I've got clothes, and I've got jewelry, and I've got shoes, and a little Gucci bag if you're a woman. Or would you rather have a lily? Now, that really triggers something, and some people, I can't believe it. God would give you like a Walmart pouch. Look, all I'm saying, I'm trying to provoke you a little bit to see that we all have a different idea of what we want. And you know what? If you're satisfied with less is more and you're happy, then be less is more for you. I'm not judging you. But don't judge people who want more than what you have just because you're not willing to do what it takes to get what they want. They gave me a lot of time. I don't know if you noticed, worship was a little shorter today. I looked at them and said, thanks, guys. I prepare for about 35 minutes, usually go for 40, but you guys have given me 45, and I will use it. More time, more time. You see, what what most people don't understand is we work with multiple schedules. We have kids going on out here, and so if I get out too early, the parents are, like, disappointed because they got to get their kids. Anyway, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I mean, 
So I just want, as I approach this month, and the reason I'm doing this primarily is because every January, people start thinking, what do I want in the next year? Clean slate, if you will, new year. And uh, some of you have already started thinking about what you would like 24 to look like. Most have not. You're, you're now thinking about how you're going to pay for Christmas presents. I get it. We just decided we weren't doing that much. <laughs> what do you get for Christmas? You get dad. The new version of father. But we get trapped and, and we get caught up in this time of year. Is it enough? Is it, are we get them enough? Did we get them what they wanted? And we get so distracted that really December becomes very difficult for a lot of people. It's a, it's a difficult time. Some celebrate, others go, I can't wait till it's over. And I'm a mixture of both because I, I look and I go, you know, what's under the tree is not that important to me. But who was on the tree is very important to me. And, and so I, I continue to focus on the more that is on the tree than what's under the tree. Matter of fact, don't even care if there is a new tree. The old tree worked fine. <laughs> I believe they called it the old rugged cross. So, But there is more. And if you don't find it under the tree, keep looking to the real tree. And the one on the real tree said there's always more than what's under that tree. And so I want us to focus. And I, I got to about one-tenth of this message because I was trying to figure out how to, how to get there. I said, I want... If I want less of self, I have to be more giving of self. If I want less fearful, I have to be more loving. Perfect love casts out fear. If I want less hate, I need more kindness. I don't need to reduce my hate. I need to increase my kindness. I don't need to reduce my budget. I need to give a part of my budget to help somebody else. And then whatever I sow, I reap. Less anger. No, more joy. You see, we're allowing those things to eat away at our soul instead of a spiritual antibiotic that attacks the infection of our soul of I'm a sinner. I'm not a good person. I've done a lot of bad things. And the antibiotic to that is no. You're the apple of his eye. You're created in the image and likeness of God. You're his child. And now all of a sudden you begin to realize this is not about what we deserve. It's about what he willingly gives. Because he loves us. Believe for more in 24. More importantly, don't miss next Sunday. Because this was the introduction that that's going to start something, I believe, in all of our lives that will elevate us and take us to new heights. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your patience, your love, your mercy, your kindness, your grace, your goodness. God, thank you that you adopted us. You brought us into your family. You open heaven's door to us. You open salvation to us. You open abundance to us. Lord, we no longer have to hoard a little peace, a little joy, 
we no longer have to just take a just a, a particle of, of something that's massive and say, I, I got a little piece of it when you said, I want you to have all of it. Help us, Lord, to adjust how we think. Quit comparing ourselves with others. Quit looking at the past. Start looking ahead at the future. Stop being negative. Start being positive. May we guard our mouths and our words, for they create the future that is before us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and those of you watching online, we never close the service without giving you an opportunity to pray a prayer to accept Christ. So I want to ask everyone here, those of you watching online, pray this prayer with me. Pray it with passion. Uh, some of you just say, well, you know, I'll repeat it because I want you to pray it with a passion that if this were me and I was lost, how would I pray this? I would pray this with a passion knowing that at the end of this prayer, my life is changed. My eternal destiny is uh, secured in him, not in my good works, but in the work that he's done and now deposited in me. So pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today I am born again. Amen. If you prayed that prayer uh, for the first time or you said it really meant something to me, uh, it's very important that you do this because it's not about us, it's about you. Making a statement of your commitment to follow the prayer you prayed. Just text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. And then follow the, 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 that thread to fill that out so we know who you are, that we can pray for you. We don't come after you. We just simply want to pray for you that you would be able to live the life that you want to live and the life that God has made available to you. So please text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. After uh, we're done here and dismissed, we'll have our prayer team to the left. If you're in-house, please visit one of them and say, look, I prayed to receive Christ today. Would you pray for me? Here's my name. Just pray for me, and they will. They'll keep praying for you all week, and as often as they remember you, please do that. We also have communion available to you. If you want to receive communion, you can have one of the prayer partners serve you, or you can serve yourself. It's up to you. At this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. And... Uh, you know, I, I, I've been trying to figure out how to approach this. We're getting ready right now, so sound bizarre. My mind is thinking through Christmas, not that I'm discounting this time of year and the birth of Christ, but I'm thinking about the death, burial, and resurrection. And Easter is the biggest uh, Sunday of the year for any church in, in anywhere. It's just Easter is the biggest Sunday. So we're freshening up our stage and we're freshening up some things. It give us a new look. It's been this way for a long time. Uh, COVID hit us, and we just kind of never got back to looking ahead. So part of me is looking and going, okay. So here's the deal. You, you can give your tithes. You can do all this in one place. This QR code, you can put your phone on there, uh, shoot the, the, the shot of that. It'll take you to the giving platform, okay? Uh, it, it's called Text to Give, and, and you can also text to 405-546-2226 and uh, put tithe or give and then the amount, and, and it immediately goes and uh, in, into uh, the account and then is transferred to us. Um, anyway, you can do that, or you can give on your way out, or you can give online, Mosaic Church OKC, uh, mosaicokc.church uh, forward slash give, or you can give 
by sending to 5821 Northwest Expressway uh, right here in War Acre 73132. Uh, anyway, with that said, as we freshen the stage, uh, we had one individual that said whatever is given toward the stage or the design, he said, I will match everything that comes in. <laughs> so if, if, you, if collectively, let's just use 10,000, he's going to give 10,000 to match the 10,000. So uh, just so you'll know, if you want to start thinking in that direction, we will begin that work or probably in January, uh, somewhere around there to refresh everything and give you a different look and experience. So why is that important? Well, you know, I, I think change is always good. It kind of stimulates our brains to think differently. Uh, so anyway, that's just that. I'm not going to belabor that or keep harping on that, but I just wanted you to know that your giving is going to be more visible than ever uh, coming up in the new year. So anyway, I want to thank you. Uh, if this is your first time here, I want to ask you to stop by the welcome kiosk, pick up a gift that we have for you. Uh, also, if you want to be on my weekly call, which is every Wednesday night, I just do an inspirational call for less than two minutes. Oftentimes, people say what I do is I let it go to voicemail and I replay it because I usually try to share a nugget of inspiration that might get you through the rest of the week. Uh, not always successful at that, I'm sure, but I try. And so you can text the word call to that same number, 405-500-1310. Uh, you can also text the word serve. If you want to serve, then it, you can, it'll take you to a template to fill out. We'll call you, get you plugged in to serve, 405-500-1310. If you want to become a member, you can do the same thing. Anyway, it's a, it's a very simple process, okay? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.